Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Blog Talk Radio.
Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Wisdom of Spirit. I'm your host, Rose Jimenez. I am a psychic medium and a healer, and I'm here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And here I offer a myriad of spiritual and metaphysical insights to help guide you through your day-to-day living. Topics here include and are not limited to spirit messages and guidance, psychic and mediumship chat, alternative healing modalities. We have a monthly meditation every first Thursday of the month. We discuss chakras, gemstones, tarot, runes, forms of divination, astrology, and our guest tonight is an astrologer, animal communication, and more. We do have special guests from time to time. As you see this evening, we have Adam Ellenbass, and we invite you to join us. For more information about me, go to www.readingswithrose.com. You can find me on most social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I don't even know what other (laughs) other venues I'm on, but um, just type in my name, Rose Jimenez or Jimenez. And I'll pop up somewhere. My guest this evening is author and astrologer Adam Ellenbass. He is a professional astrologer and the founder of Nightlight Astrology School. He has authored a book that is called, give me one second here, I'm a mess, The Gospel of an Ayahuasca Vision Quest. And you can find that on Amazon. Um... Let's see. Anna holds an MA and an MFA in English and Creative Writing and is one of the founding writers at Reality Sandwich. You can reach Adam via his website, which is www.nightlightastrology.com. He's also on Facebook. And I advise you guys to go over and like his page or follow him on Facebook. He is a... I don't even know how to put it. He is a wealth of knowledge. I, 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 I've become an Adam Ellen Bass astrology junkie. And um, just uh, go give it a check. And if you'd like to call in this evening, we probably will not be taking calls till the 730 mark, but um, call in at 347 Don't forget to press the button number one so I know you're on the line and you'd like to come on and speak with us. Without further ado, let's bring on Adam. Hi, Adam, and welcome. Thanks, Rose. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you're here. And and this was really like kind of short notice, and and I really appreciate you uh, making some room and some, some way to be on the show this evening as well. Oh yeah, no problem. I'm I'm glad to do it. I think these uh these kinds of conversations are really fun. They are. It's, you know, I just realized something though, because I'm like, well, every time I look at you, every time you come into my mind, you know, when I hear your name or I see your name, I keep thinking, Renaissance man. This guy is into everything. Knows a lot about a lot, but he's so young. So I looked up your birth year. And I almost fell over. <laughs> I would have had a child your age. So it blew my mind. <laughs> I lost a child who was supposed to be born June, July of 81. 
for me, it's like, oh, my God, this is blowing my mind. But you're, you're amazing. You, you have so much knowledge. You do so many different things. I'm amazed by you. Oh, thank you. That's really, that's really nice of you. And you really have, it seems, you really have tapped into something that makes me think back to, I'm a four-time Reiki master teacher, makes me think back to Mikao Sui when he was going through life and searching. I mean, he was amazing. He was searching out everything, the meaning of life. Why am I here? What is there that we should be really focusing on? And I'm just not happy. And he went to an elder, and the elder said to him, in order to find the meaning of life, you must first die. And most people, especially Western people, were like, die? What do you mean die? You have, in order to find life, you have to die? What good is that going to do you? But basically what that elder had told Usui, and then Usui went on to do the 21-day lotus meditation and find, ha, have amazing amounts of enlightenment through which he found the Reiki you know, blessing, so to speak. Um, I think a lot of people, and more so Westerners, don't understand that concept. Like, in order to really find out why you're here or appreciate your life, you have to kind of really go through a lot of dark night of the soul, or like when you think of diamonds, you know, well, a diamond, it's a lump of coal that was under extreme pressure, and the end result was the precious diamond. And it's like that with us as well. I think you really tapped into that with what you've gone through in your life, especially with the, um, the ayahuasca ceremonies and stuff. So why don't we start sure. there? Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Um, yeah, the, uh, for those who don't know, um, I, well, a lot of people do know now. Ayahuasca has become, you know, quite a bit more popular, I suppose. But um, it's a uh, um, a sacred plant medicine from South and Central America that is ingested by shamans and ceremonial participants um, in order to gain uh, healing. Uh, healing visions and um, and and sort of purgative, deep healing uh, experiences. Um, it's a it's you know what we would you know sort of in the West we would call a psychedelic, but it's um, long been considered a ceremonial plant medicine um, in these parts of the world. So it, I got my path to I'm an astrologer. My path to astrology sort of came through a long period of. Um, involvement in in these uh, in these ceremonies, um, which you know were as uh, as advertised, <laughs> you know they were they were deep and profound, and uh, certainly you know what you're saying, Rose, about this encounter with darkness, the um, the encounter with limitations, the, the limitations of the body and the material world, and the kind of the first noble truth of of suffering and impermanence. And the, these things were, you know, I, they were something that I was aware of, but um, these experiences uh, impressed them upon you in a way that's um, pretty profound. So it was for, you know, and as do other things, you know, it's some, sometimes I think people build also can build ayahuasca into being, um, you know, 
a, a cure all or a magic, uh, you know, a magic answer to everything. And it's, it's not, it certainly gives you like anything else. If it awakens you, it gives you homework. So the, the, but the ceremonies were, in, you know, incredibly impressive and definitely left me with a lot of um, spiritual inspiration and kind of set me on the path that I'm on now. Yeah, there's basically, I don't know, we're all, I, I think we're all a little bit on the lazy side and, there's there's no way out. You have to learn. I mean, I always tell a lot of my clients, we're here really, you know, we're not here for a joyride. We're not here, you know, for an easy life. We're here to learn. And if we don't learn, then we're going to come back and repeat. It becomes Einstein's theory of insanity. We come back and we repeat and repeat and repeat. And each lifetime we're asking ourselves, why am I going through this? Well, because you're learning resistant, okay? So, um, yeah, it's 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 amazing. Um, and I think we really do have to get to that point. Like, recently I've learned, and, yeah, recently, yes, I'm 61, and I recently learned, and I hope to keep learning until I take my last breath. But um, the more you surrender, the more you receive. So, you know, everybody's saying let go and let go and, and give it up, but really it's just surrender. The more we try and control things, actually the worse it gets. So I think it's the universe right. kind of conspiring to bring us to our knees so that we get it. Right, yeah, that's um, that's really well said. I think we, um, we go looking for things um, that we think will be, bring us happiness. And as long as we're trying to do that in a material sense, it, it really doesn't work out because, you know, everything that's material, I mean, it may give us some happiness for a while, but at the end of the day, the material, uh, material world keeps changing and, and things that are uh, happy, you know, turn into their opposite or they don't last. They don't, they're too much. They end up taking too much energy to sustain, so, you know, it's like purchasing a beautiful house and you think, oh my God, this is going to make me so happy. And then paying the mortgage for 30 years kind of rains on the parade. Um, the, I think that's, you know, that's a sort of a crude analogy, but um, that, I oh, think that's but something. Oh, I'm right there with you. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, so we, you know, I guess, I guess the whole point is to, um, to look for spiritual happiness and what does that look like? And, and I think it's even more perplexing to think that, these mystical traditions believe that you can do that while inhabiting this material world, because it seems like they're so opposed that, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be able to, but, um, but that's, that's, I guess that's what we're all trying to figure out. And I think what you said about surrendering is, is really key because, uh, when, you know, when we surrender, we, I guess we find out that, um, there's, there's a, a spiritual kind of happiness that transcends the, normal definitions of happiness and pain and pleasure and, and uh, suffering in the material world that's available to us in like all different kinds of experiences, even the ones that should be, you know, quote unquote bad. So um, that's definitely something that ayahuasca taught me. But I think a lot of people on the spiritual path, you know, they, that's what we're all learning in one way or another. Definitely, and, and everybody learns in a different way, going through different circumstances. Um, you know, it's uh, very, what's the word I'm looking for? It's very unique, very much um, 
per person, you know, and nobody can say, oh, well, Adam found it doing the ayahuasca, I'll find it that way too. Not necessarily. I think we have to find, and, and not so much we have to find, but I think, again, the surrender comes up. We have to surrender to the universe kind of nudging us toward where we're going to find this. And, again, it's all perception. And like I tell people, uh, stop using your intellect so much and use your gut, use your feelings. Don't go by what you know. Go by what you feel. And if you go by Mm, what you feel, you're going to have much more success that way than you would using intellect alone. Yeah, that's right. I I think of uh, there's a there's a documentary that we show our yoga teacher trainers at our yoga studio. My my wife and I own a yoga studio here in D.C. Uh, called Skyhouse Yoga, and um, we show this documentary called Yoga Is, and it's a pretty simple you know basic documentary. But there's an interview with a bhakti yogi um, in um, I want to say Vrindavan in India. Yeah, it's Vrindavan. That's Krishna's hometown. And he's uh, he says one thing that he says that really stands out is um, if you cultivate cultivate um, devotion to anything anything you love um, you you really cultivate devotion with it eventually you find God because devotion cultivates love and God is love and I thought that was such a you know simple and beautiful thing and I would almost say that for me one of the ways that astrology has worked I mean, because I was with, you know, ayahuasca was sort of my path for a very long time. And as ayahuasca as a spiritual path sort of started to fade out of my life as the most important kind of discipline, astrology really came in very strongly and, uh, you know, became my professional path as well. But as a spiritual practice, I love astrology. I just, I love it so much. And it's it's a really mental discipline, you know. It it's involves math and you know aspects and all this you know this kind of stuff. But if you really love something, if you really are devoted to astrology, even something that's like mathematical like that, it's kind of heady. It I think that it leads you to to love and and to God and and at least that's my you know that's been my experience. And when that happens, I think we have access to um the way that we do something even something that's technical and intellectual and heady can become an expression of the intelligence of the heart and and so even astrologers really should be thinking about that we if we're not cultivating deep devotional love for the practice um you know then the practice won't communicate love it will communicate intellect um, so I think that's that's how I've kind of tried to reconcile that with astrology, what you were just saying, because I think astrology can be kind of, you know, kind of heady. And that's one of the reasons why I never studied astrology. I love it. But I've always sucked in mathematics. Always. And um, I wouldn't even attempt it, because there are times where I'll get into it, even when I'm listening to your podcast, and I'm like, the what in the house in the square, the who... It's like I'm lost after five seconds. I'm trying to wrap my head around this. And I know the reason I can't is because my brain doesn't function that way, which is the same reason why I can't get hold of mathematics. But I will say there is something that happens to me. This has happened to me at least three times in my life. 
in my old life when I was an office manager, um, my IT guy couldn't make it in, and I would have to do something to somebody's PC, and I would be freaking out because I'd say to him, look, I'm pretty good at troubleshooting, and I have a pretty good knowledge of computers, but I really don't know how to do this. You were supposed to do this. And he would give me some pointers and say, just go do it. And I swear to God, I would sit down at the PC, I would start following his instructions, and then at some point, I don't know whether it's my brain, my left side, right side, or my spirit guides, I would start doing things and clicking and, and doing commands where I was taken out of my own head. It's like I wasn't in my head space. And I was successful, but if you ask me how I did it, I'd say I have no idea. And I think that's probably why when we get into these different practices like yoga, astrology, meditation, whatever, it's the getting out of your own head for whatever period of time you're out of your own head that you're actually connected to divine source and you're actually in a space where healing and enlightenment comes in and more importantly the whole vibration of love now i don't know if that's right <laughs> yeah you know, yeah we're in that yeah no total state of love i don't know what do you think about that yeah i mean um thinking you know it's funny because the um I study I study the I Ching as a sort of secondary form of divination. I guess that's sort of my second hobby. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, um, in the I Ching, well, in, in in sort of Chinese medicine, as I understand it, uh, the heart was said to be the you know the mind. the The heart was considered to be sort of the brain of the body, the the mind of the body. Um, and in some ways, it's the it's the coverings of you know mental stuff that get in the way of understanding that our heart is, um, you know, the one that's thinking and and guiding and directing so much of our lives. And as we clean and purify, you know, the heart um, and get you know get it nice and clear and shiny, we can we can see it again. And then it it's, it seems to shift the relationship that we have to the mind and we don't even really think with the mind anymore the way we used to think about it anyway we start we start thinking and acting from the heart it's like clear direct kind of knowledge i guess so i i, I hear what you're saying i think that's um i think it's actually the point that i wanted to bring up was just that I, I actually think that you know people have known this for a long time and that it's sort of a sort of a perennial truth that we somehow forget and it's funny you mentioned the I Ching because that's another form of divination because of the numbers and the math involved. Rosie doesn't go near that. Right. <laughs> I'm actually <laughs> right. saving yeah, up to have you do an I Ching reading for me. So, um, oh, yeah, well, the I Ching again, is... Because, again, I'm a dog at anyone who can, who can do that. Um, yeah, no, no I, I, think, I think that there's people who are good at more math or kind of mental, like, you know, mental and almost like scientific, you know, forms of divination. And then I almost think of it almost like, you know, the I Ching and astrology sometimes as a more masculine form of divination, whereas I think of the tarot 
and other more intuitive, intuitive forms of divination, psychics, things like that, I think of in some ways as more feminine. But I, I don't know where that comes from. It's just an idea that I've thought about sometimes. Well, in my mind, when I look at those two forms of divination, I, I really do think you have a point because it's like tarot is, there's a lot of fluidity to tarot, even though there are a lot of tarot readers who they, they will read your cards and they'll give you the exact definition of the card but not define the card to how it relates to you because mm-hmm. the same card does not mean the same thing to three different people. Whereas the I Ching is more like, okay, it's this, it's that, and that's it. This is the way it, this is, the way it is, this is the way it's read, this is what it means, period. So it's more like, mm-hmm. it reminds me of that book, um, Waffles and spaghetti. Men are like waffles. Women are like spaghetti. And uh, yeah, I haven't heard that one. That sounds that sounds like fun. <laughs> oh, you should check it out. It's a book that was really written for adolescents, for teenagers, to help them. Uh, yeah, it kind of came out long before Mars and Venus. But um, the book, Men are from Mars and Women are from Venus, not the planets, people. I'm, I'm sorry. Right, um, right. But it was to explain the way men think as opposed to the way women think, and if we each understood how the other one thought, then there would not be so much friction. Um, You just let the person be. You know, if this guy wants to be stuck in that little box in his waffle, let him be while you're off twisting inside out and around 16,000 strands of spaghetti. Just be who you are and learn how to tolerate people for who they are and what they are. So... That's, but, that's um, great. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that one when I talk to my wife because we we you know we often talk about the differences between you know ourselves and men and women and stuff like that as we're getting deeper into our marriage and I'm spaghetti and waffles. She's gonna she's gonna love that one. Spaghetti and waffles, yeah. And I mean, you really have to learn how to embrace the differences between you and your partner. I mean, I got a PhD in love, romance, marriage, dating, etc. After my 20-year marriage and my divorce, and and it really, I can't thank the universe enough for my PhD because it was very difficult to get. I went through a lot of hell, a lot of experiences, and through going through it, I was like, oh, why is this happening to me? But, I mean, thanks to that, I'm helping so many other people now with the work that I do that it's actually what I thought was a horror turned into a blessing or was a blessing, but I I couldn't see it for what it really was. Um, I have a philosophy that I've had for a long time, and my feeling on heart and soul and the brain is that the soul communicates with the heart. The heart then communicates with the brain. So instead of using the brain first, it's like, no, that's not the first place you got to go. And people who are very tapped into their soul, very intuitive, um, they maybe can start with the soul. But it's like the heart. He's the communication liaison between the brain and the soul. So he gets it from the soul, he translates it, and then sends it up to the brain. And so everything is basically listening to your heart, right? Hmm. Yeah. 
Certainly, that 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 makes a whole lot of sense. And it's, it, I think it's. Go ahead. I was just going to say that I think um, I think it's difficult to learn how to identify, you know, the the heart and how it speaks and um, what you know what the difference is between the heart and the head. I it it certainly. Uh, it's certainly taken me a while, you know, and and um, and I know I notice that in our yoga students too. When people come to yoga classes and people come to trainings or even astrology trainings, um, it's hard to untrain yourself from the way that the world really, in some ways, also. I mean, we're born, you know, in some ways with our, our own karma, maybe, and trying to work out, uh, you know, getting out of our head about our karma. But then um, it's also you know, the world is also constantly like conditioning us to sort of think that we're the stuff in our heads and it tries to distract us and keep looping us into that too. So it's like, it's really hard to undo that, you know? Yeah. And it's reinforced and reindoctrinated throughout most of our lives. And so we get to a point where we either become extremely rebellious and we're in that place of, Whatever you want, whether I do or don't want it, I'm going to tell you I don't want it just because I am in rebel mode. I need to connect with (laughs) who I really am and what I'm all about. And so since I'm growing and this is the stop I got off the bus at, everything you say, I'm going to say no. And depending on how you evolve, you could stay there for a very long time, even as far as coming back into another life at that same bus stop. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not good. But uh, I find one thing I find, and I still don't understand it, and I keep wanting to ask Harold Becker of the Love Foundation, of which I am a love ambassador, why people are so uncomfortable to talk about love. Um Two years ago, and I believe even last year, Global Love Day is May 1st, and I always try and do something for Global Love Day. And one day, one of those days, or on both of those days, 2016-2015, on my show, I decided to ask people about love. And whenever I would bring up the subject love, like I'd say, do you love yourself? People would laugh. That was the first response, laughing. And it's like sometimes laughing is because of not knowing. Sometimes it's because the person is embarrassed, ashamed, or just doesn't know what to do with the question you just asked them. But that was the the, the biggest response I got. And I'm going to ask hmm. you, why do you think people are uncomfortable with love? And I'm not talking about romantic love. I'm talking about just love in general, loving self, loving your your neighbor, your, you know. Oh, gosh. Because I think that if you follow love to its conclusion, its its unconditional conclusion, um, you have to, nothing is excluded. You have to love everything. And I think, I think, I actually think people know that and some really very, basic, primitive, and even instinctual level in the body, I think that that's, that truth is, um, uh, is there. So I, I, I personally think that, you know, people are, maybe, maybe people are comfortable with love because 
when you get down to it, um, there's nothing uh, there's nothing that doesn't escape. There's nothing that's not outside of the, the love of God and love, you know, just universal love. So um, uh, maybe that's why. It kind of puts us in a very raw, i.e. vulnerable space. And I don't know yeah, how many yeah, people true, who are truly. comfortable with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, and and it's um yeah, it's definitely like uh to to be loved is also I think to be seen, you know, to 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 really see and to really be seen and and I think you know, I think we like to hide. I think it, maybe that's sort of similar to what you just said. Right, right. Exactly. And the thing is you can love someone you don't have to like them. You don't have to agree with everything they're about or everything they say, but you can still love that person. And I think, again, people translate, well, if I love you, I have to um, I have to like everything about you, and, I, and it, 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 they're two separate things. I mean, I love everyone, but I have very good and very strong boundaries. I'm very forgiving. But just because I love you and if you've done something to me and I have forgiven you, it doesn't mean I want you to come live with me <laughs> or or see you every right. week for lunch. Um, I think that's another thing people right. don't understand. It's like you can love, you can forgive, and you don't have to get all judgmental and, and shut the door in people's faces, but you just enforce First of all, you have to put up or put in place. I don't say put up because that sounds like a wall. You have to put in place your own boundaries and keep them in place and, and stick to them. But you can love everyone in the world just with your own boundaries. And I think, yeah, I think um, um, go ahead. Oh, um, yeah, I was just going to say, I think I had a um, one of the shamans that I worked with in South America um, sort of uh, made this point one time that um, you know as spiritual beings we're all equal like we're all a part of the divine and on that level like we're we're created equal or we are equal or what what have you but in the material world you know things are things are unequal you know some people are born really fast some people can't run that fast some people are born like naturally pretty virtuous for others. It's like a real struggle or, you know, just all these different, we're on uneven ground in the material world. And he was like, so, you know, a lot of another thing that makes love really difficult is that love, um, love is somewhat alien or foreign to, because it's universal, it's unconditional. It's, um, it's a little foreign to the idea, the part of us that identifies with the material world and that has to, you know, that has to can't just open our doors to, uh, you know, you know, wandering uh, strangers who may be dangerous or, you know, these kinds of boundaries are part of the material world. So I think that's also the, the struggle is that we, we, we sense that love is unconditional and, but it's yet it's really scary to uh, reconcile that with our material experiences where, you know, everything's sort of, it's like it's also just like really the material realm and its sort of operating program is just it's different and so the you know the yoga the yoking of the two together is um i think some people think 
uh, it's impossible. So I'll either, you know, I'll, I'll either you know, become like you could collapse into an extreme, you know, and you either open your door to everyone and lack boundaries or you, you know, sort of close down to spirit altogether. So I think love also asks us to develop some kind of um, healthy union between these two realms. And I think that the challenge of that for people is, can be really overwhelming. Definitely. And I'm sure you probably get what a lot of people, I got this a lot with uh, the Reiki. I got it a lot being a psychic and a medium. Uh, There are a lot of people out there who, oh, God, this is sounding like I'm being nasty, but I'm not. And there are a lot of people out there that put about to dupe people by putting on this persona, emphasis on the word persona, that if they do Reiki or healing, if they are psychic, if they are a medium or a healer, astrologer, what, and yoga, if they're, you know, they're a yogini or whatever, they put on this persona where they're almost like their voices change and they become very light and ethereal like angels and everything is namaste and dear and I love you and all of that stuff. And if you're not in that mode and you say, well, I I teach yoga or Reiki or I'm psychic, people tend to not believe you. And there's a friend of mine, I love him dearly, and this is what really attracted me to Andy. His name is Andrew Brewer. I believe he's your friend on Facebook. I, I don't know whether you know him or not, but Andy had put up this comment years ago that said, I don't wear a turban or say namaste, or eat nothing but organic, and they say fuck yeah a lot. And I'm intense, sexual, rebellious, moody, and, well, I'm not for all tastes. But psychic ability doesn't come in a neat wrapper. When it comes, trust yourselves for those who also share this gift. If you want black fingernails, do it. If you want to eat Snickers ice cream, (laughs) do it. Uh, Call me first and bring an extra spoon. Don't let those who wish for you to conform douse your fire. God doesn't make cookie-cutter people. Beauty and talent comes in many forms. And that's really what got me to friend him because I'm like, this guy has got it going on. He's the real deal. He's not a phony. And he just hit the nail on the head because... A lot of times people are controlled and fooled by people who run around like these almost, you know, pseudo bodhisattvas. I don't know. And it's just, that's not the way it is, people. So I, I uh, thought, yeah. I think, I love Andy. I think he's great. And um, I don't know if you've ever run across that because, you know, you really have a very gentle. Uh, even kind of way about you. I mean, I'm from Brooklyn. I, I I don't know where Andy's from, but like for people like us who are kind of raw around the edges, but yet we do what we do, we kind of run into, well, that's not really Reiki-like, and oh, you're a psychic? Mm. Yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah, as a uh... A friend of mine recent, recently said, and we were having this conversation. It was kind of like a heated debate, you know, online. It was one of those, it was one of those 
social media holiness debates, you know, where people get into it over like what's holier, (laughs) you know, it's like, Oh God, here we go. Um, And, uh, and he was like, you know, only a fool, only a fool uh, takes up the, the uh, judge's seat. And I, I, I couldn't agree more. It's like, you know, um, yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, for me, I mean, my, just my own philosophy, it's like, you know, God can use anybody and anything for, uh, you know, the, the unfolding of, of, uh, um, God's plan for creation. That's how, that's how I see it. You know, I mean, other people sort of may have a different take on it, but I'm like, you know, however, I'm, I'm certainly rough around the edges. I mean, I'm, you know, I have some good Libra in my chart, you know, and I've got a Venus a Taurus ascendant, you know, a Taurus ascendant with my my Venus, um, you know, Venus in in Leo is my sort of my chart ruler, and I'm a Cancer Sun, so you know, I've got that like Venus Moon thing going on, and uh, but you know, I think my wife would tell you that uh, I can put on a good show, so it's um, <laughs> you know, it's like we're the other thing is that when we're you know, I think when people who have a radio show or, you know, we do astrology or whatever, there is a, there's a certain level at w- which you're, you're operating from a, a persona or a per- almost like a performer's standpoint. I mean, I strive to be really real with people in my, my horoscopes and the way that I teach and, and talk and stuff like that. But, um, uh, I think there's definitely, you know, there's spiritual materialism as well. Like people can get lost in like endless uh, snicker bars and, you know, get diabetes and people can get lost in endless yoga clothing, you know? So it's like, it's uh, people <laughs> you can get lost in anything. Right. Exactly. It's like, you know, like I can, uh, I can, I can see that in myself too. I can recognize that in myself where, you know, on, on, and I can teach a class at one night and, extol the virtues of this or that and then i can get done and you know shove my face into a, a you know um a carton of ice cream and uh and you know uh, like feel like i want to cuss my two-year-old daughter out because she trashes the house every 10 minutes and you know i mean like we're just human at the end of the day oh but she's too cute How she could is you discipline she, that's her, her, i know she's it's her second birthday today in fact she's two years old today Two years old today? Two years old today, yeah. Wow, happy birthday, girl. Um, oh, oh, today, Sagittarius. Going to be a lot of disciplining going on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right? She's, uh, she's, she's born with um, the sun in the fourth house, and Hellenistic astrology is sort of, you know, lineage, I guess, that I study. Uh, that's the house of the father, so... I'm like, I'm like, oh God, you know, if she's anything like I was, the sort of, I have a Mars Neptune opposition in my chart, and you know, Mars or uh, Neptune was in Sagittarius when I was born, and so I was like, oh God, if she's like as rowdy as I was when I was, you know, and I got into my trouble troubled phase, or my my wife too, she's got three planets in Aries, and so we're both like, oh God, we've it's our it's our karma, it's coming, she's gonna be a Hellraiser. Oh, y'all gonna be one fun family. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, we're also on like the positive side. Notice how I didn't say you're going to be one troublesome family. <laughs> but, well, uh, I mean, you know, it's like it's like you said. You said you know people come in all the, like spirituality comes in all different shapes and sizes and and different people and characters and 
I don't think the soul appreciates uh, some kind of, um, you know, um, like uh, some some kind of really uh, singular sense of self. I've never liked the New Age stuff about we're all one, I am you, you are me, because I my experience has been that the soul um, and that we share in divinity, I don't doubt that, but my, my experience has been that the, the soul uh, – is has personality that the the soul is a, we have spiritual personality um so i i think that um that's what i really hear you saying and i'm like well you know if my daughter decides to reject astrology and all of this stuff i'm not gonna i'm gonna let her own spiritual personality develop because if we don't hold space for that with each other you know we're we're uh then i think i really do think that we sit then we end up sitting on the judge's bench and well you know watch out because that's the the karma that comes with that's probably not very great Everybody just 
find out who you are and be you. Be authentically you because with the way the world is changing, uh, we can no longer say my grandfather was a lawyer, my father was a lawyer, and I'm going to be a lawyer. Uh, we've got billions and billions of lawyers and the way the world is evolving and, and everything. We really don't need another lawyer, but we need more healers. We need more spiritual people. We need more whatever you want to call it that is leaning more towards spiritual awakening and awakening consciousness, more people like that. And mm. I don't know, have you, have you looked into astrologically what we need for 2018? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. Um, I I believe that um, some of the – and I should just explain what I'm basing this off from. So I'm thinking right now of the fact that in about May, planet Uranus will enter Taurus and, you know, is going to be finishing up its tour of Aries, which took like seven years. So uh, when – and I think, you know, I think of Uranus as a planet that is often breaking up old structures, mental structures or ego structures or social structures. Uh, and Uranus will be entering Taurus in like May. And that's an earth sign. That's a fixed earth sign. Um, so I think the issue of the earth and the environment is going to be um, continue to raise in our awareness this year and may in some ways sort of usurp some of the you know, the other political conversations going on, which are also, you know, valid and interesting. But I think the Earth might take a step forward this year, you know, kind of Mother Earth may be speaking more. Um, and I think um, there's also Taurus is a fixed sign. She comes in the middle of spring. So it's a very stable, solid, earthy sign. And I think that when Uranus is such a paradigm breaker, such a, a rebel, comes into Taurus, the opportunity for deep structures, uh, deep, deep fixed structures in our minds and in our, our lives or our, you know, what I would call sort of like our karmic uh, trajectory in, in the birth chart. I think there's stands to be some really deep things getting broken open. Whereas for the past seven years with Uranus and Aries, Uranus and Aries is initiating, you know, there's, it's like all of this initiation is very fiery. It's very combative. It's intense and pivotal. It's cathartic, dynamic, I think what we're going to start to see is something more like the shifting of deep plates. Um, in fact, I would anticipate some of the uh, increased in, in environmental things may involve, you know, more uh, tectonic, you know, earthquakes and tectonic shifts um, around the earth as well. Uh, we just had one. I mean, just as Uranus is slowing down to a halt and Mars opposed Uranus. I'm not sure, Rose, if you felt that one or not, but we had one very, it was in Delaware. It was my no, whole that, house I, shook. I saw when you put it on, uh, you had it on the map, the way it came, and it was further west than me, but it was went right down through where you were living, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of one of the things that I, that's been on my mind a lot. Um, so, and for, for that, I think we, um, I think one thing that helps with Taurus transits when there's like challenging transits to a Taurus house in a birth chart. Um, I think we have to almost bring ourselves back into our animal bodies a little bit um, to experience a form of security. Uh, Cause a lot of our sense of security, I think it, it gets built in built up in incredibly elaborate ways. 
Um, you know, for example, just a simple example that I heard a teacher that I like give or example that he gave recently. He said, you know, you have someone who makes a ton, a ton, a ton of money and they may spend an incredible amount of money on the end of life care, like making their death like, you know, as comfortable as possible, prolonging it as long as possible. But, no, you know, obviously no amount of money is going to outrun death. Like eventually the person dies. And when they die, they still die in the same way that everybody else dies. And um, I was like, oh, that's such a that's such a a good way of, you know, reminding us that so many things that we prop our lives up with in the in the material world are um, are, uh, you know, they take us away from something very, very basic and. And a lot of, you know, I think a lot of spiritual cultures, the in traditions around the world, one of the key things that helps us get back into our heart, as we were talking about earlier, is keeping things simple, getting back to nature, getting back to the body, to the breath, to, you know, all sorts of things. So whether that's, you know, just the health, the health of our bodies, the health of the earth, uh, you know, just getting back to a simpler idea about what it really means to be secure, uh, what it really means to be sort of like present, Um you know, I think people, simple teachers, like not the super elaborate metaphysical stuff, but simple teachers like uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, you know, just really, he's, I, to me, he's just like such a simple, mindful, mindfulness kind of teacher. I think okay. there there may be some, and we, and we may also see like technology and science sort of starting to affirm simpler notions about what peace and happiness how you really find them. I think, you know, so science, technology, all sorts of things may go in that direction. And I think maybe we could start thinking about simplifying things as well. It's true because, you know, we, because of what we've been taught, we've been indoctrinated with, we've been brainwashed, we keep making ourselves our own slaves Hmm. because our Hmm. desires, and again, it's coming from the ego, but the desires are, I want this. I want this type of lifestyle. I want to live in this type of home, this car, this stature, this kind of uh, job, etc., etc., etc. And the funny thing is, and it's a lesson I've been taught over and over and over again, because I was a material girl back in the early 80s. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, God. Um <laughs> And it was like I had designer everything, and it was just sick. Um, now I could say that when I was like 24, you couldn't tell me I was sick. I had the best of everything. What do you mean? I've got one first of and Gucci and Ferragamo. And, but anyway, now I'm like, ah, Kmart sweater, got it, need it, that's it. Um, it's, you know, we, we do, we enslave ourselves. And I've been through extreme poverty a couple of times in my life, and Spirit always says, We've got your back. We're here to support you. You will always have what you need, okay? Therein we need to make the distinction for ourselves and know that we're covered. We will get whatever it is we need. What you want, what you desire, that's a whole other thing. Just put that away. Put it out to the curb. Have the garbage guys come and collect it because it doesn't matter a hoot. And... um a lot of us are still caught up in, I need the 11-room house, I need the BMW, I need a six-figure salary, you know, I need jewelry. Although I'm really happy that I had an extensive jewelry collection because when it came down to, you got to sell all of this crap, 
<laughs> the sentimentalness, right. it, you know, the sentimental person part of me had to say, look, we have to deal with reality or sentimentality. And since you need to eat and you need electricity, take that sentimentality, put it in your brain, take a mental picture, and sell that stuff. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's reality. So I think um, we're all learning. I mean, the more money you make, it seems like the more money you want. I personally have watched my income go from 80000 to 60000 to 40000 to quite very much below that to nothing to resuscitating itself a little bit to where it's like I'm able to provide for my needs, not necessarily my wants. But I'm happy with that. Mm. And I think if everybody yeah. gets into that space where we're happy with what we have, like they talk about gratitude, the more grateful you are about what you have, you're going to get more. You start to see the serendipities come through. You start to see the blessings come through. Instead of whipping yourself and possibly those around you, Bigger, better, more, 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 that really doesn't get you anywhere. All that does is wrap the chains of slavery firmly around your body until you're miserable. So um, we got one question here. Let me see. Hi, 770. You're on the phone with uh, Adam and Rose. Who's calling? Oh, hi. My name is Maddie, and I'm calling from Georgia, Atlanta. Hi, Maddie from Georgia. I <laughs> I just tuned in and I know I saw that uh, Adam is an astrologer. Yes, he is. Yes. Yeah, and um, I was wanted to know uh, if he's uh, doing any readings according to the time of birth. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I um, I can I'll point you to my website so you can sort of check out the full scope of what I do. It's um, www.nightlightastrology.com like N I G H T L I G H T astrology altogether. Um, I teach uh, a one and two year astrology apprenticeship for people who want to learn how to read birth charts. I write a daily horoscope column um, and oh. I have a professional full time practice. So I uh, have a um, you know, pretty busy client schedule and teaching schedule and astrology is my, my full-time thing. Fantastic. Where, where are you located? Uh, I live just outside of uh, Washington, D.C. Oh, you're in the, on the northeast coast. Okay. Oh, north. So am I. Okay. okay. Yeah, I live, uh, I live not far from Baltimore, just between, I live just kind of outside of the, uh, outside of the beltway between D.C. and Baltimore. Our yoga studio my wife and I own is uh, in uh, Silver Spring, so that's just work right on the Maryland D.C. border. Okay. Now, are you doing any readings tonight? Or this a dialogue? Uh, are you looking for a psychic I don't know. reading? Oh, uh, that would be fine. Um, okay, Maddie. Uh, how we do this is ask one question, and I'll get you an answer from Spirit. Okay. Um, I want to know, I really want to know about a dream. I had a dream about I was talking with a friend. Oh, i got to stop you there. I'm not a dream interpreter. 
Okay, all right. Don't do that. Okay, I'll leave that alone. But I'm going to refer you to a colleague of mine. You can look her up on okay. Facebook. Okay, well, she... um, let, me ask you, let me ask you this. Could you just give me a general what you what energy you pick up? Can't give you a general either, honey. Specific question, and I can uh, get you an answer. I, okay, give you ask a question, you get my answer. Okay, I uh, is it am I wrong or right about feeling love around me, feeling love in the air? What do you think? Is there love around you or not? Which way are you leaning? I'm leaning on yes. I validate and confirm your leaning. Yes, it is around you. However, it's around you, but it's not going to manifest until somewhere around the end of the first quarter of 2018. So we're looking at March, April. Love will pop its head out and make itself known. Will it pop its head out March, April? It will make itself known. Yeah, you're known. probably going to meet somebody or something. It, it'll it'll initiate. It's like, you know, you'll have a spark that will then turn into a fire. Oh, okay. Sounds great. But I right, thought it was one. I thought it was someone. Thank you, Have a great weekend. Okay. Adam, give us all your um, rundown. The website is www.nightlightastrology.com, and the yoga studio is? skyhouseyoga.com Ooh. And of course you are on Facebook, you are on Twitter. Uh you guys can find him. And um if you find him on Facebook, I know he's got a Kickstarter going on. Please check out the Kickstarter and please throw something in the pot. And uh, <laughs> it was a pleasure having you, Adam. Thank you so much for being on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. Yeah, I think we had a lot of fun. Um, I will see you around the astrology. Sounds good. Thanks, Rose. Thank you, Adam. Have a great weekend. Rose and Winterbrook on the Saken Network on blogtalkradio.com. Night, everybody. And always. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 